0: Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are. Welcome to the debut of The Women's Playbook, a show dedicated to inspiring, encouraging, connecting, informing women entrepreneurs. I'm also doing this show as a guide for everyone, male or female, about how to do business in the rising she economy, which you'll hear about in a second. My name is Joanna Croats. I've been investigating the payoffs, challenges of small business owners with a bunch of different hats on over the years. First as a national magazine editor at Time, Inc. for a small business magazine, then as an online columnist, business columnist for MSN and a bunch of Microsoft portals, and then just to keep me honest, as the owner myself of a New York City content provider, a boutique content provider. So I've seen it on both sides, observing and doing. You'll find updates about the show at my Facebook page, The Women's Playbook with Joanna L. Croats at my Twitter page, at Joanna L. Croats. Plus, you can get news about a blog I'll be doing, and after-show podcasts at the website, The Women's Playbook. It's womensplaybook.com, but the, we'll get there, too. Toward the end of the hour, if anyone has comments or questions, tips, anything to ventilate, please call in and talk to me or either of the two guests I'll be introducing. The number to call, 877 And I'll repeat that as we get further along in the show, so I'm really delighted to have this weekly opportunity to explore and report on what I see as the increasing advantages for women in the current market and economy. I'll be talking to women on the show who own businesses across the country as well as to coaches and experts who are dedicated to helping women bolster their businesses. The primary purpose of a business, of course, is to make money. That's what separates having a hobby from having a business. You must turn a profit. But women who are now starting and running businesses in never-before-seen numbers clearly have demonstrated that they often have more than money-making on their mind or as their goal, and it may not even be their primary objective. So before we delve into that a phenomenon, which I've called the Goldilocks Syndrome, which is the title of today's show, and before we meet my guests, first, Samuela Becker, whose solopreneur credentials and work-life experiences, I think, will resonate with a lot of you out there. And my guest on the latter part of the show, Jamie J. Ladge, an award-winning management professor at Northeastern University. Before we begin those conversations, and because this is the, the debut, I'd just like to give you an idea of the sheer size and rise of women entrepreneurs and to put the reason for this show in context. So the movie version, the cultural icon of an entrepreneur may still be some San Jose or Williamsburg, Brooklyn dude, you know, downing energy drinks in a loft or a garage, writing code 24-7 and building this awesome business out of thin air. But that would be a relic of the days of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. Today's entrepreneur is much more likely to be female, whether a millennial or a boomer, all ages, all ages. Women now are estimated to own more than 4 out of 10, that's 40%, more than 40% of all privately held U.S. companies. That's 8 million firms total. The number of women-owned companies has been growing faster than the rate of all businesses, rising at an extraordinary 54% rise since the 1990s. And the tilt toward female is accelerating. Over the same time, women of color and women immigrant entrepreneurs have been rising even faster. About 2 million privately held firms now are majority-owned by women of color. A fifth of all U.S. women business owners are foreign-born. One research institute calls the immigrant women's business a quiet revolution, growing unnoticed in the U.S. economy, like so much that's going on about immigration. Nationwide, women-owned firms wield a total economic impact of $3 trillion, and they employ about 8 million people. And by the way, on the other side of the fence, American women consumers are are responsible, account for more than 80% of all purchases in the country, more than 80%. So we're talking about cars and computers, not just tuna fish and diapers. This tilt toward female economic power is hardly limited to the U.S., as you might think, although certainly we're more affluent here. Several high-profile studies, including one in 2012 by Booz & Company, the management consultancy, reported that 1 billion women, 1 billion women will be entering the global economy by 2020. And more than three quarters of that billion are going to be women entrepreneurs, mostly because in developing countries, women cannot take jobs in the conventional workforce, so they start their own company. So while you don't really hear or read much about women and all these breathless profiles about Silicon Valley techpreneurs, women's status is rising as business women. Okay, fine. That's cool. But what does it mean to be a woman entrepreneur? It turns out, surprise, surprise, along with all the other behavior that defines the sexes, women launch and run businesses differently than men do. Gender absolutely matters when it comes to starting and running a business. And that brings us to today's topic, because one of the key characteristics of women-owned businesses is that they do not grow as fast or as big as male-run startups do. So that's our question of the day both for our show and for the culture and the marketplace at large. The U.S. Census Bureau estimates that more than 80% of all women-owned firms, 8 out of 10, are what's called non-employer firms. That is, they do not have any employees. They're one-woman shops. And women are launching businesses that generate modest revenue, professional satisfaction, but operate well under the radar. So typically, women don't seem to scale up or go for the brass ring. And that's what I'm calling the Goldilocks Syndrome. Why is that? Sex discrimination? Funding? Not sure. Here to help us explore some answers to that question is my first guest today, Samuela Becker. Later, we'll also talk to Northeastern University's management professor, Jamie Lange, about infield research and trends. Sammy Becker is the founder and sole employee, mind you, of Tigris PR. Her New York City-based public relations firm, has been going for a while. She has a slew of credentials, both as an independent at Tigris PR and as an on-staff senior PR and marketing executive at Fortune 500 Multinationals. Sammy's been an investor relations spokesperson. She's been involved with a couple of dozen startups, a fundraising strategist for nonprofits, and communications, directors, a communications director for several business conferences, including a prestigious MIT forum. Along the way, she's earned an MBA, which is not all that usual for a PR person. So she'd have the right handle for representing corporate clients. And that's paid off. Her clients run the gamut across industries and include a skincare guru, guru, very successful one, sports agent, author, surgeons, and more. And then as communications director at Pace University's entrepreneurship program here in New York, Sammy saw all sides of the playing field. So she's also been around the pool. And that's actually how she and I became acquainted. I did a story about Pace's entrepreneurial pitch a few years back, and we became um, acquaintances. So, welcome, Sammy. Thank you. Thanks for being here today on the debut show. Anything so far? Or I should just go straight into the questions,
1: or you have something you want to say <laughs> first? Um, no, it's um, as I was uh, listening to you, I was having these aha moments of, um, um, especially the solo entrepreneurship. And uh, eight out of 10 women um, having no employees, including myself. (laughs) So this is the shoemaker syndrome. No
0: shoes. Um, I wanted to talk about this Goldilocks syndrome because it's clear that women are gravitating to launching and creating these right size businesses. And typically, when um, small business marketers, bankers, researchers talk about this, there's this woeful, worried tone. You know, it's like years ago, men don't eat quiche, women don't scale, And that's the headline. Is it because they lack confidence or so on? So let's look at that. You've been on your own for a lot of years. Yes. And you care to say how many?
1: Um, I would say January of 2003 is when Tigris PR was founded. So quite successful over the years. Yes.
0: And you work on your own.
1: I do. Yeah. So how did that come about? What makes you stay a, a solopreneur? That's a good question. I think part of it is driven from my clients um, and it's been throughout my life where people say, but you will be working on the account, right? And you say, of course, of course. And I think it's just always been that way. Um, is it because of, um, reluctance to delegate or nobody can do it as well as I can? Uh, perhaps, but you know, I realize that there is a point where if you're going to take the next step and be the success that I want my clients to be. Um, scaling is important.
0: So that's also a key about women entrepreneurs. They tend to be in service businesses and they tend to build a client list based on their stellar performance. And the client tends to hire that person as opposed to that organization, even when it's out of PR or different kinds of, for instance, me and content kind of provision that that's the same idea. So you and I have had this conversation which I found extremely dramatic um, that led to you leaving the corporate world and that was of course some years back tell, tell us about that
1: um, it was I was a mother and uh, trying to do it all uh, very prestigious position um, as director of corporate relations for a major fortune 500 company uh, when I went three weeks without seeing my son awake um, Literally literally, um, because of workload. And, um, sometimes it was workload where you would work almost all night and you would be in different time zones, whether it was London or West coast. And of course the East coast where I'm based. And then everything you did was changed the next day. It was like a merry-go-round. And I went without seeing my son awake. And I remember saying to my boss that particular, um, comment. And she said, you shouldn't have had children literally <laughs> that all I can get out literally. And it was, um, again, one of those game changer moments where I thought, you know what? Um, I think I can change this. And so I became an independent PR consultant, uh, oddly enough, too many agencies in town that were fine. And to, um, hire me from, let's say 10 to three. And, uh, became very diversified. Anytime somebody asked me if I could write on a particular topic or, you know, do press, whether it was real estate or fashion or beauty or, um, you know, investor relations, I always said yes. And, uh, that was a big difference in my career.
0: Did you see your son anymore? Of course you did. So it worked for you. It really,
1: it did. Um, you know, the whole point is, is I became a mother and my mother was actually a working mother, um, so not that she didn't do a good job, but it was a little different. I grew up in Akron, Ohio, and I had family around me here in New York. I didn't have that. I mean, I had a husband, but, um, not the same thing.
0: Yeah. Well, that work family balance for women obviously comes up a lot. Although the cliche is that entrepreneurs work longer hours and harder mm-hmm. days than people who are on salary and staff. So there, there's a, there tends to be a trade-off there. So it still seems to be a female driven choice because again that image of the entrepreneur working all the time is constant so in uh just a few seconds we're going we're going to go to break and um when we come back i will ask sammy a couple of more questions about um how her business is run including the big one about social media and and communication since that's our field and we'll be right back
1: You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
2: Do you need a business plan that can guide your company's growth? Covenant 7 will help bring the changes you need. We are small business consultants, and we pay attention to the details you may miss. Our coaching and consulting services are guaranteed to lead to right growth for your business. Call us at 917-833-4860 for a no-obligation free consultation. Check out our website at www.covenant7.com.
3: Are you stuck in your business or career The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people.
1: You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network.
0: back on the women's playbook and we're talking to sammy samuela becker about women entrepreneurship and about the goldilocks syndrome and shortly we'll also be talking to professor jamie Lange uh, about broader trends and some research that's in the field and when we left we were talking about sammy and how her boss at the time told her basically don't have a kid if you want to work which sort of comes out of rosie the riveter i mean uh, it's hard to believe but um What I'd also like to hear about is you work out of your home office, right? I do. Yeah. Have you ever thought about renting a place or it just wasn't in the cards economically?
1: Because that's another big reason. Well, I live in New York City, first of all. So rents are a bit higher than, let's say, other parts of the country, I would imagine. Um, I did look at office space. I think you know, at the time it was not only the price, but it was the commitment and saying, okay, the minimum lease was two or three years at that time. Will I have the financial support I need to at least cover the rent and then pay my bills or can I do it at home? I live in a pretty nice centrally located help, um, actually co-op in Manhattan. I think I, I still can do it. I can do it from home. Um, or if I need to go to offices. So that's how it's been. Um, but I realized that professionally, It would probably be better if I had my own office. Maybe soon. Yes, soon.
0: (laughs) So when we left on break, um, I was teasing you about something you and I have talked about as well, which is the website. Yes. Those are in all capital letters, the website. And you have a very big and very smart presence on social media because I've seen it on Facebook and so on. But you don't have a website for Tigris PR, which, of course, I'm, I'm visualizing with a big tigress on there yes. and a lot of, you know. So tell us about that.
1: Um, I, I think you used early on the shoemaker's children or the shoemaker's kid. I think oftentimes I have written um, content and creatively designed websites for some of my clients, um, a dentist where we had Barry Manilow's. I can't smile without you playing as you clicked onto it and and other innovative things. But when it comes to me, um I do have an active um especially on LinkedIn a social profile, but I do need to take the the website step. Um I've looked at it, got a little bit intimidated by a couple of people who, you know offered to do it free, but once you stop paying them to host it disappears in thin air. Wasn't comfortable about it, but um I think this has been a wake-up call. Being a guest on your program, um, so afterwards I will go hire people and get my website done. That would be that would be the perfect
0: mission to have the <laughs> the show, you know, propel yes. you to to do something. Assuming you know, assuming it's it's a good idea for you, because I know another woman who's actually a social media consultant, and she says I don't want a website. You know, I do business on social media; everybody knows me that way. I just simply do not need that WordPress thing going round and around and round. And that may be a decision that, that you make for your business. So I don't know that websites are necessarily the only option now. I would say early in this century, 2004 or so, it was key. It was mm-hmm. critical. But, you know, it's something you can decide. And other women who are running businesses can decide what works for them. It's not necessarily the case. So the, so the other thing I'm thinking about is um, the stress of being on your own and how that affects family and how you can segue from leaving work behind when you're on staff and then when you come home. I know for me, I'm just I'm up at 3 in the morning, that is, thinking about what's going on. And how, is that a factor in being a solopreneur? Because you can't say to someone, wait, you do that and I'm going on vacation.
1: Um, I think it's always been my work ethic, whether I was on staff, Um, for instance, in addition to entrepreneurship at pace, I also was the publicist for the actor studio drama school, um, MFA program. And I would always be thinking I'm the first publicist for many of these up and coming stars, um, is there more I could do, you know? Um, so I am one of those that don't easily turn off whether it's working for myself or working for others. Um, it's just, I figured if I was going to do it, I'd be smarter to work for myself
0: what do you think you can say based on your experience inside and outside the fold corporate and working for so many clients that is the hardest thing about being on your own? Do you have, I probably should have warned you. I was asking that. What, what do you think the, the
1: hardest thing is to do as a solopreneur? Um, well, I think there's two things. One is, um, as a consultant in general, you are not part, um, Of the team on, you know, you are a part of the team on a daily basis, but eventually if you've done your job really, really well, and I've had this said by clients is we've gotten so much media over the past, you know, three months, six months, fill in the blanks that we're just going to take a break now because before you, we had nothing. So I think it's the coming and goings of clients, um, as opposed to being there for years and years. I do have clients that have been there with me for years, but, um, it's that. I think, you know, I, I almost feel like they're family at one point. And so I think, you know, it's just letting go and realizing for some of them, it's just a point in time.
0: Well, coming to our Goldilocks theme, are you sitting in the right sized chair? In other words, would you like to get bigger? Would you, do you think about
1: scaling up in some
0: way and then what happens or not? Um, I think
1: it's, I think I'm ready to take that high dive and, and to do it. Um, I have seen people that have scaled and have done remarkably well clients of mine that have become international names, um, and have actually sold in some cases their company for, you know, millions and millions in the three digits. Um, so I think it's time. I really do.
0: What would be the first or second or the early steps to getting there? Would
1: you try and get a loan? Would you take partners on? Um, I don't think at this point I would take partners on. Um, That's a whole different topic of whether I would join an agency as a partner, but usually they want you to bring your whole book of business. So I like being on my own, um, but I think the first step would be a website. (laughs) Well
0: said, right? And so, what have been the strengths you think that you bring to the party as uh, as a solopreneur or on your own? Obviously, a lot of skill, but in terms of running the business, not just providing service for clients. You know, where is it that you could improve? Presumably, you're really good at communications. We know yes. this, but is there financing? Should you have a business plan? Should there be um, some kind of technology? Which, website aside. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you
1: think you could improve or change the way you approach the business? Um, I think you brought up good points. Um, I think having a physical office away from the apartment and also the website, even though, as I said, my LinkedIn profile does have, you know, certain, a lot of clips that I've been quoted in and, and other things, but I think those two are just the minimum and probably being more active. I actually was a speaker at a conference last week and doing a program like this will raise my visibility. I have to also think of promoting myself as well as my clients.
0: Yeah, it's hard to do, I've, I've known because I've been doing this for a decade, to do the marketing at the same time you're actually doing the business. Mm-hmm. Both of them are full-time jobs at least. Right. So it's tough. I hired a PR person to do social media for me for a while and she just simply didn't get my business. I mean, she tried, she, she did okay. But it really put me off. You know, I thought I could be doing this better, mm-hmm. but, but I'm not. Right. So I really think that that's the nub of, of being both a woman, because we tend to be perfectionist uh, entrepreneurs, and having a solopreneur where you just think I could do this better or I want it done better and you don't let go and you don't say, well, it's good enough. It'll mm-hmm. be okay. I've had to learn that lesson a great deal. I don't know about you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're um, pretty soon going to um, see about the wider trends of what's going on. And um, I know I know that um, we have a few minutes before the break, so we're just going to talk a little bit more with Sammy, and then we'll be inviting Jamie Lange in. Again, I just want to say for anyone who wants to call in, the number to call toward the end of the show is going to be 877 Zero four one two zero, so do you think there's some, and Jamie is going to weigh in on this as well, Sammy, do you think that the, that you have encountered um sex discrimination or you 're a girl, you can 't do this job, obviously, you encountered it by saying you're a girl, you should not have a kid, but <laughs> that 's in another whole arena. Um, do men seem to do better when they 're running their own p r agencies, although it is a field that has welcomed women Mm -hmm.
1: more than any other more than a lot of other fields um i don't see that i really don't um in some ways i felt like i had an advantage being a woman um and my voice tends to be younger sounding and i've had reporters on the phone saying oh are you just starting out and i'm like well, should I play that card? No, you know? (laughs) Um, no, I haven't had that in the field actually practicing my craft. I started out actually as a journalist. I was a magazine editor. So I've also seen the, the, um, side from the other, um, from not just the PR side, but from the, the side of, uh, you know, being called and, and, um, from PR agents, but no, I haven't seen the discrimination in PR. And have you seen that with some of the clients you represent? No, actually. And I've represented, I've worked in Wall Street. um, I've worked on biotech. um, I think the whole thing is, is, are you qualified? I I don't feel sex played a role either way. Law firms? um, No.
0: Uh And the financial industry wasn't, you know, a little hinky about all the.
1: No, and I think when I entered the financial industry, it was at a time when they were, and and law firms, waking up and realizing there was something to be learned about consumer marketing. Um, You know, the way that they had done business needed to change, and they needed to be a little bit more personal. So perhaps I came at the right time. And when you were at Pace,
0: um, and you saw both young women, they're young, all the student age, right? Mm Mm-hmm. young women and young men pitching. And I know that there are contests for pitches because that's how you and I got acquainted. Mm -hmm. Did you see any difference then in the genders?
1: Um, No, again, based on, it was all based on what is your proposition? Is it social entrepreneurship for profit? Um, What is your idea? It was solely based on what's the idea and can it be done? You know, what is your business plan? Can it be implemented? Is it realistic? What's your funding? Um, And that really has nothing to do with gender. I think it's a person just being clever and smart and uh, sex doesn't matter.
0: You've had a terrific experience. I, I, I have seen that women tend to gravitate to social entrepreneurship more than men do. So the purpose and the passion come forward almost more readily than the profit. And again, we'll talk to Jamie about how people are defining success for women entrepreneurs and how they define it themselves. Is that again, something, so you haven't seen that maybe it's a New York
1: thing. Um, I think it, I've seen people found businesses, but, um, giving back is an important factor of it. I was at arena Huffington's thrive conference and Tori Birch spoke and, and she talked about that being ingrained at the very beginning of her founding the company, the philanthropy angle. So, um, I think it depends. Um, are women more sensitive to that than others? Perhaps we'll, we'll find out.
0: Well, we're going to, um, pretty soon get Jamie who I keep promising is going to appear and sound off. Um, and she's going to, she's calling in from Boston and we'll, talk about some of the things we've been talking about here in terms of her research and as, a, as someone who looks at the field across a lot of different sectors. So pretty soon, Jamie's coming up, and now we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back.
4: Talking Alternative Radio, 24
5: hours a day. Hi, I'm Austin Merola. And I'm Sloan Wainwright. We're the hosts of the new Thursday morning show, The Music Power Power Hour at 11 a.m. We're going to have fun and shine the light on all aspects of music and its limitless healing possibilities. We're going to invite artists to share their songs and play live. We'll be listening and talking about great music from yesterday to today. So you're invited to share in our musical conversation. Your ears will be delighted with the sound of music and our voices. Join Austin and Sloan live Thursdays at 11 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com.
3: I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern, at TalkingAlternative.com.
2: Do you need a business plan that can guide your company's growth? Covenant 7 will help bring the changes you need. We are small business consultants, and we pay attention to the details you may miss. Our coaching and consulting services are guaranteed to lead to right growth for your business. Call us at 917-833-4860 for a no-obligation, free consultation. Check out our website at www.covenant7.com.
5: Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Talking
0: Hi, this is Joanna Croats. We're back live uh, on Thursday um, about talking about women entrepreneurs at the debut of the Women's Playbook. We've been talking about Sammy Becker, and now, as I've been promising, we're going to be talking to Professor Jamie Lange. So just to uh, introduce some of what she has to do and then, her, and then of course, Jamie herself, let's, let's take a somewhat wider view of this Goldilocks phenomenon and look at some of the cultural and financial underpinnings of what's going on with women entrepreneurs who are out there running businesses. My next guest, Jamie J. Land, she's a management professor, as I've said, at Northeastern University, which is up in Boston. She's calling in from Boston, where, of course, Boston Strong is much in the news these days. Jamie has earned a doctorate in organization studies and also an MBA from Simmons College up in that area. To my knowledge, Simmons is one of the only postgraduate schools in the country to offer a women-only MBA course, but she's going to maybe tell us a bit about that. She's won a number of academic awards for her work, including one for her doctoral dissertation, something else for us to hear about, which was a $45,000 grant to support her work family research. And Jamie focuses on the intersection of identity, careers, and work-life integration, especially for women. She also examines diversity and gender issues within organizations, so a perfect combination for us today. Welcome, Jamie. You there? Yes, I'm here. Thank you. How you been? I'm great. That's good. I know you were taking some vacation time, and so it's back to work, I'm sure. It is, yes. In freezing
4: cold in Boston. I don't know what it's like in New York, but oh, it's pretty cold here.
0: <laughs> it was horrendous yesterday, but we're having good weather, so you'll be okay tomorrow.
4: Yeah, I think it's going to warm up.
0: I hope so. So... This is the segue. Let's start with the reality check. You know, We're sure numbers don't lie, and yet statistics usually tell stories in black and white. And as we all know, progress for women, and here's the pun, is largely written in shades of gray. So women-owned entrepreneurial startups underperform male-owned firms, according to a slew of studies, some of which I've referenced. They're growing almost twice as fast, as we've noted, as U.S. firms overall. Yet, women-owned firms have lower survival rates. They're smaller, with lower profits, earnings, growth rates, all that stuff. From your experience and work, can you put that into perspective at all? What are the reasons for that?
4: Yeah, I I feel there's three primary reasons, much of which, uh, two of which, have been talked about um, pretty, you know, fairly predominantly um, in the literature. The first, as I think you alluded to before, was a lifestyle choice that a lot of women opt out of the workforce if they can. Of course, we're, we're focused on those who um, who can, and there might be you know differences among among different uh, social classes and, and levels of affluence. But for some, it's a lifestyle choice when they can do that. And by lifestyle choice, meaning start a business that makes it easy to balance work and family. Now, I think you your other guest alluded to before that it, there's not always you know a positive balance um, when you have your own business and in some respects you could um... <laughs> it could could go the other direction but i think the perception for a lot of women is you know um, i can't have the flexibility that i need in my in a corporate environment or another kind of organizational environment but i can do it um, if i'm the one setting you know my hours and my flexibility so there is there is a sense of um... lifestyle choice now along with that the second issue is um, and you've, you've alluded to this as well, the, this issue of gender inequity, um, which is driven by a couple of different things. One, women tend to ask for less money when they're trying to obtain funding, um, and they tend to receive less as well. I was just involved in a study where we looked at uh, funding from banks, and we looked at firms of similar sizes of similar uh, that had been ex- in existence for similar amounts of time, both men and women-owned firms, and we looked at um, profitability, as well as their time commitment and their own personal ca- capital that they put into the business. And not surprisingly, we found that the women received less money, even when they were able to signal to banks, you know, that they had similar profitability. As I said, similar um, other measures of success, been in business for you know a, a sizable um, length of time. Let me let um, me stop you just had, for a you know, sec. And had a sizable number of employees, et cetera and what we uh, what we gathered from that research is that there are what's driving some of this inequity for women in particular are sort of these deeply entrenched stereotypes, although they're not probably overt biases that go on, there are some implicit biases that we all have about you know a variety of different people and stereotypes that go along with it. but for women in particular, we tend to think, oh, women go into starting their own business because it's a lifestyle choice. There, a term I've heard before is the cupcake stigma.
0: Wow, um, I haven't heard that. That so, women
4: tend to, to start cupcake businesses and businesses that may not be profitable. So, Jamie, so even Jamie, when they can show that all these other measures of success are out there, they still don't get as much money and we attribute that to the possibility that gender sends a, a signal that might sort of obliter- obliterate any positive signals that, um, you know, bi- that positive business signals might send. So there is still very much this gender inequity out there on in terms of when women do want to scale up, they don't get the funding that they need. Let, um, and let, that's from a venture capital standpoint and from a, a banking standpoint.
0: Let me ask then, you... Uh, women
4: also tend to put their own... More likely to put their own money or have friends and family put money into their businesses. Yeah, than, I understand. Than asking for it from outside sources.
0: Let me ask you if this is um, the, the 21st century phenomenon of um, sex discrimination when women did not earn as much as men did because, you know, they have husbands to take mm-hmm. care of them. Mm-hmm. So now we see this moving forward in the 21st century as an entrepreneurial issue. And I actually had not heard of the cupcake stigma. I'd, I'm not sure I can even get my mind around that. But um, but it's but it's but it's pretty awful. Is the study that you were involved with nationwide? It's been was it across the country that you were tracking?
4: Uh, the yeah, the businesses were nationwide. Hmm.
0: So, contrary to the youngsters that Sammy had encountered at Pace, you're seeing this for women's businesses that were up and running, or for
4: startups? No, these were these are businesses that are already in existence and where they tend
0: to be businesses as they say that don't scale because they're women run their services instead Well, of
4: we we actually controlled for that so we should have omitted any of the variants that that might have um suggested that some of that was at play but clearly you know some people argue that women don't get the money that they need or c- in comparison to men because they start businesses that jern- just aren't as lucrative or you may not need that kind of funding
0: well also women don't ask for it as much and they don't ask for it right and that's probably the basis for another show I'm going to be doing on the <laughs> ask which has to do with how, how women tend to undercut their own um, authority or their own potential right? because if you're asking for $3,000 and you should be asking for 300000 The banker thinks you're not serious, mm-hmm. and, and this must be happening too. So right. do women just prefer modest expansion because they're smarter, because they're not going to be crazy or stressed or work 24-7? Is this a better way to go?
4: Well, I'm not going to – I don't think I can answer that per se, but I think if they're going for lifestyle choice, then that might be the case. Um, obviously, they can't control the gender inequities. But the third piece, you know, I mentioned there were three things driving the issue. I think the third piece, and you you suggested this earlier, is that women might be defining success differently than we might have traditionally defined success. You know, oftentimes we think about when you you started the show by saying the purpose of a business is to make money, um, and this. Very much is likely the case for women entrepreneurs just as much as men, but they might also be doing it for other reasons as well. You mentioned women tend to start a lot of socially responsible businesses, so they might be doing it for the greater good of society, um, particularly women that are having children. You know, when you have children, you, you start to see uh, a lot of these businesses um, that you see mothers starting, Generally tend to be centered around baby oriented <laughs> items yes, and some, I know. some really important concepts have been have come out of that and um, and some women have been very successful with that but it, so some of it is driven by you know trying to solve a problem um, that they, maybe they're facing themselves as parents or et cetera or they're just trying to set a good example to for you know now that they 've become mothers they want to serve sort of a higher purpose um, and a lot of it could be driven by I think your your prior guest, Sammy, suggested this, you know, in the workplace that they were in before they went and started their business, maybe they didn't feel there was as much of a reward personally um, that they could do, you know, that they could give back either to themselves but also to, um, you know, to the rest of the world. So some of that I think is just driven, is self-driven and, and the definitions of success, you know, are more an extension of who they are. Their self-defined definitions of success. And, and by the way, this might be a gender phenomenon that we're talking about. But I think you'll find uh, someone who teaches undergrads, the current generation of students, millennials right now, really are their, their definitions of success. Look, it's not like they don't want to make money. They want to make money, and they want to make lots of money. But they don't want it. They don't think they can sustain the kind of careers that they, especially business students. Um, expect to go the fields that they expect to go into they don't they don't think they're going to be able to sustain that long term they want more flexibility they want exactly what women have been asking for for years and years and years so i think hopefully that will you know maybe buck some of the trends well i just want to can i add one more thing yeah and then
0: and then we're about to go to break in about a couple of minutes sure okay
4: okay fine um sammy mentioned something um that that reminded me of other research that i've read on another reason why women may not tend to scale their businesses up. And, and some of that is about wanting control of the work they're doing. And she said, I think she mentioned something about clients and saying, you know, are you going to be the one working on the account? And absolutely, and not wanting to, you know, give up that control of business that she's created, and rightly so. This is sort of her baby. <laughs> um, and so I've read a little bit about that as well. And you would imagine that men would think that way as well, but because they're maybe getting the funding and, you um, and more likely to ask, than then they may be, be more willing to uh, give up that control.
0: Yeah, I think that happens a lot. And going mm-hmm. back to your former point about women, um, lifestyle choices, and, and and embracing all that for both men and women, I've seen not just kids be the issue, and I think it's important to note that because the cliche, the, the stereotype is that it's always because women have children that they're backing up or, or moving into um, a place where they have more control. But I, I know a woman who's extremely successful who just wants to travel. She mm-hmm. doesn't have any kids. Right. So she doesn't want to build their business. She just wants that other part of her life. And mm-hmm. and you and I have talked about someone who's, you know, obsessed with yoga. She would just wants time for other things besides working.
4: Right. And I, right. I
0: think that's an important point. Again, there's that, that, that cliche that somehow women are busy being pregnant and that's why they, they don't scale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which um is certainly not the case Mm -hmm. okay um we're going to talk when you get back a little bit more uh, because i think it's important if you if you'll bear with us on on this size versus um fulfillment issue i think Mm -hmm. it's a key difference between how men and women measure success and as one uh coach in california said to me size is a male obsession and so that's about how Um, people are about viewing their success um, as a business and what what this whole idea of scaling up means. It's a a male metric is what Mm -hmm. it comes down to. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk a little bit about that when we return. Thanks.
1: You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network.
6: If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at MontyTaylor.com.
3: Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you.
4: Talking
0: Alternative Radio. 24 hours a day. Hi, we're back. Again, the debut show, The Women's Playbook. We've been talking to Sammy Becker, PR person extraordinaire, and also Jamie Lange, professor at Northeastern, who's done a great deal of work on career and gender identity about women. Before we get back to this uh, size versus fulfillment uh, question, Jamie, can you tell us a little bit about Simmons? What what does it mean to get an MBA for women? What does that mean in life? Or was it not the one that, was that not the program you
4: did? I should have checked that out. I knew No, they, um, I did. It just seems like so long ago. Cause <laughs> I have a couple more masters and a PhD since then. But Right. Um, I guess I'm fascinated
0: by that kind of business training for women, how it would differ from an MBA
4: for both, you know,
0: that would be gender neutral.
4: You know, I thought it was a very interesting experience being there because it's a very small program. And what I always found fascinating was that you would have, a divide between some of the younger students and the older students who had seen a lot in their, throughout the course of the history, and I think that in the history of their work lives, and a lot of them had, you know, were coming back to change their careers, and some of the younger women were sort of confused by all of this um, gender inequity talk that they would they would raise in the classroom, because the younger women felt that as though they hadn't seen it or experienced it before. Um, and I think sort of at the end of the program, everybody sort of came together to realize that over time they would be experiencing this based on different life experiences, personal experiences that that um, play out in the workforce as you as you climb the ranks, um, which probably, is the reason driving a lot of women starting their own businesses. In fact, a lot of women that graduate from that program do start their own businesses.
0: Yeah, that's something that that I've seen and heard. I also want to remind all the listeners out there that if you want to call in and talk to to me or to Sammy or to Jamie or just to tell us what's on your mind, please do call. We're ready for you. It's 877-480-4120. So whenever you're ready. So, so Jamie, that segue again, this size versus fulfillment. Um, one of the things that I've noted and that I've heard from the women I've talked to is that it's not just this right size business for the rest of your life or the rest of your business um, career. It's also stages of life that mm-hmm. affect how you run your business as a woman. Sammy, for instance, has um, reminded me that aging relatives will, will create an issue. It could be your kid's grown, but then... You're part of the sandwich generation, and that creates a difference. I know a woman um, who has a young child, and she says she could grow her business like lightning if she had the time, but this is not the right time for her because she's got a toddler. And she assumes that in five years' time, the business can scale, she can grow, and she can become a different kind of entrepreneur. Does this Is this something you're tracking
4: yeah, and I, and I think this grows across the board, not just with entrepreneurs, but in general. And I think a lot of companies are starting to look at um, what's been coined by Deloitte and Touche um, as sort of career lattices, and um, and recognizing that people have different <laughs> stages of life that they go through, and and that the linear career path model of success climbing the ladder is not always the one that meets everybody's um, career aspirations. That people have different life. Um, you know, trends and things that are happening that, um, you know, there's there's different patterns of success. And I think this is very much the case. You know, hearing Sammy say, now she's ready to sort of scale up makes sense. You know, this is the point in her career, maybe, you know, I don't know how how old her kids are, but if her her children are older, if it's a point in time where, um, you know, that it makes sense, it doesn't always make sense. Um, And I think you have to recognize that, you know, there's different points in time where, um, where your life is going to, you know, get in the way of that, and you have to be able to be flexible to to know that. I also think I also think there's um. There's something about knowing yourself, not just knowing what's going to happen throughout the course of your you know career, because you have to sort of be flexible. You don't know what's going to change. You you never know. You never can predict when someone gets sick, or you know um, when some there's going to be some impact to you know your your success. But just as a personal example. When I, actually right before I decided to go to Simmons, well, this is probably right after I graduated college and undergrad, I went to Babson College, which is a school known for entrepreneurship. Yes, it is. And so I always assumed, I always aspired to be an entrepreneur, but I sort of went the the typical path when I graduated into the corporate world. But immediately, I used to daydream all the time about, you know, this business that I was going to start and I would drop, when I was sitting in meetings, I would drop the marketing collateral and, you know, I, I just daydream all the time about what that was. And what I realized, I had to sort of come to terms with the fact that I wasn't ready to be an entrepreneur at that point in my life. I had to learn a little bit about myself first. And one of the things that I quickly realized is that I liked coming up with ideas, but I wasn't an implementer. And I, if I was going to make the leap you know, out of the corporate world to start that business, I was either going to have to find someone to help me implement um, or it was never going to work so i think a little bit is not just knowing you know what's coming in terms of you know your own you know different life trends and things like that but just knowing yourself um and you know what your what your skill set is you know what you're what you can and can't do personally, and then you can figure out what kind of resources that you You know. Might need. You
0: bring up a really fascinating point that I have also tracked, and um, I was reminded of this by talking to someone at Kaufman, the Kaufman Foundation, which is, you know, is um, probably the largest foundation dedicated to bolstering entrepreneurship, um, maybe in the world. But this guy was talking to me about how the COO, the number two person at a small business is a critical role and that so often that person does not get any attention and often you have the visionary, the person you're describing yourself to be, the one who Mm -hmm. can come up with all these great creative ideas. But unless you have an implementer, unless you have a number two who can actually put that stuff in focus and in action, you don't have a business. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, I, I have thought kids out there who think, Oh, you know, I don't have a great idea, but I'd really like to be in an entrepreneurship, at a, at a small business. I'd like to be an entrepreneur. And I think that's particularly true for women. Um, -hmm. I'm supposed to be this great creative mind. I'm supposed to do everything, but I'd like to, I'd like to really encourage people to join or partner with someone so that those skills are complementary and you have the creative type who's just always going to be, as you say, dreaming about doing it. And then Uh, the number two
4: person who actually can help you make it happen. mm -hmm. I I often tell my students to figure out what their strengths are and not worry about their weaknesses, because your strengths are your strengths for a reason. (laughs) The strengths are things that you're likely good at (laughs) and the things that bring you passion and joy. Your weaknesses probably don't do either of those things. So, you know, once you know and you figure that out, then you can realize, you know, sort of what, what it is that makes sense for you from a career standpoint. And if those weaknesses are about implementation, as you said, you know, then you've got to find someone that, that's willing to be the CEO COO for you. So you can, you know, but of course they have to, they have to buy into that business idea as well. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think that's true. Um, so do you think we'll get to a point Let's maybe say in the next decade where we will blend the strengths of the genders if women are so good at right-sized work-life kinds of businesses and and men have this reputation of starting businesses that are all the time, 24-7, no time for family. Are we going to see – and in fact, as you say, millennials have a different kind of philosophy about this. Are we going to see a generation coming up, maybe it's called Gen Z, that will blend those kinds of traits?
4: yeah I think we will and I don't know that women really have it right <laughs> um in terms of balance you know i I think that was one of the questions you were you were going to uh or you maybe were alluding to um I think there's a lot that men and women can learn from each other mm-hmm. and there are strengths and weaknesses that you know both um sexes bring to the table and um you know there's clearly things that that can be um you know, as I said, learn from from one another. Sometimes women can be their own worst enemy, in a lot of ways. Yes, and, I'm afraid uh, that's true. <laughs> yes, um, although you know, the same could be case could be made for men, as well. So I think it's just about you know knowing you know knowing yourself, knowing your resources, asking for help, you know when you need to, and um, not assuming that you that you have to do all this on your own. That there are people out there that can can um, you know bridge any gap that you might need to be fulfilled
0: yes i i understand that well i i I believe i'm not one by the way to say women are are fabulous and men are not i mean i really think that we need the strengths of both of those and 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 the right size chair is going to work for men and women as you may recall at the the beginning of the show i said this is a this is a show also about the she economy trying Mm -hmm. to bring in the fact that um we're pulling women into the economy, not throwing men out.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and
0: I think that's a key point. So I, I believe we're, ab- we're about to close the show. I believe we need to blow out the borders of entrepreneurship. So this playing field, as I say, acknowledges women's ways of doing things and values the traits that they bring in. Um, mm-hmm. I think men have, have been experiencing that for quite a while. And that way we'd certainly grow jobs, the economy, and progress for women. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks for thanks for being with us. Next week, we're going to be looking at the rise of a business that combines a belief in producing eco-friendly and sustainable products while still building uh, profits in a very conventional way called Inside the Big Box. So I hope you'll tune in. We are shifting times next week. So the show from now on is going to be at noon, EDT or EST, whichever it will be, as opposed to one. And if you missed any part of the show, you can download the podcast at my website womensplaybook.com and of course later at talkingalternative.com I want to thank Sammy and Jamie for being with me on this um, maiden voyage
1: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
3: Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212 721 8183. That's 212 721 8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people.
5: Hi, I'm Austin Morola. And I'm Sloan Wainwright. We're the hosts of the new Thursday morning show, The Music Power, Power Hour. At 11 a.m. We're going to have fun. And shine the light on all aspects of music. And its limitless healing possibilities. We're going to invite artists to share their songs and play live. We'll be listening and talking about great music from yesterday to today. So you're invited to share in our musical conversation. Your ears will be delighted with the sound of music. And our voices. Join Austin and Sloan live Thursdays at 11 a.m. on talkingalternative.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking
6: Alternative. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y at MontyTaylor.com. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional
3: medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's two one two seven two one eight one eight three. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you.
5: TalkingAlternative.com